0: You're listening to SBS News. Nowadays, Musa and Edia al-Sheikh prefer to sit outside of their home. They live in Jablur, a city on Syria's western coast hit hard by this month's earthquake. They're staying in an outdoor kitchen with their diabetic son, Suleiman, and sometimes their other son, Hussein. Syrians whose homes are still livable, or who have family members or friends to house them are deemed to be ineligible to register for support. But Hussein says proving that they don't have those options has been almost impossible. We tried to go to the shelters, but they asked us for papers from the authorities stating that our house has been demolished or damaged. When we go to the authorities, they don't give us the papers and instead they tell us to go to the municipality. At the municipality, they keep telling us that they will come assess our house and until now they haven't. The family is one of many to complain about unfairness in the distribution of aid and the lack of organisation in Syria. Omar Barakat is among the thousands trying to survive in the freezing conditions He says his family still has nothing. After the quake happened, we were part of the families who came out from under the rubble. We moved here to live and we have no belongings or clothes at all. We lost our belongings under the rubble. We are living here, in this camp, where it is not suitable to be, a camp, and we are living in the ground. We need many things. For residents in the rebel-held northwest who say they feel abandoned as supplies almost invariably head to other parts of the sprawling disaster zone, it remains unclear just what progress is being made to fix the situation. The Observatory for Human Rights says Syrian government forces and rebels have clashed in the last few days for the first time since the earthquake. Government forces shelled the outskirts of the rebel-held town of Utterab and there were clashes with heavy machine guns between government and rebel forces at a nearby front line, making aid distribution problematic. At last count, 143 trucks of United Nations aid had still crossed into the rebel-held territory. Representatives of UN agencies have now come to Jandaris to see what more can be done, like Sunjana Kwazi, the deputy head of the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs in Syria. What we're here to do is to help, to listen to what need, what is needed and help with everything that we can. There are Every agency is here. It's an interagency mission and we are looking at um, the best way to get everything in, that is needed for these people. Aid organisations say access to basic amenities like water continues to be a pressing concern. Adele Hoda is the regional director for UNICEF in the Middle East and North Africa. We are uh, worried because there is a big impact on the water infrastructure. So far we have assessed around uh, 70 Mm. 70 water tanks in the region of Hama alone that have been damaged as a result of the earthquake. If sufficient quantities of water are not provided to uh, people, wherever they are in these big uh, uh, centres, mm-hmm. then there could be a lot of waterborne diseases. In Turkey, there has been a rise in intestinal and upper respiratory tract infections. But Turkish Health Minister Ferej Inkocha says the government does not regard the numbers as a serious threat to public health. Shelter is the other urgent concern, and it's driving many Syrians back to their home country. Officials estimate some 4,600 Syrians have crossed at the Bab el Hawa checkpoint since it reopened last week. Anas Haj Karamo says some have come because police in Gaziantep have moved Syrians out of a mosque where they were sheltering to make way for Turkish families, leaving them nowhere else to go but home. This man, Mansur Hamid, says coming back to a war zone was better than staying. I lost my home and since the earthquake, I have been living in a park. They gave us tents, but it is all for show. So I decided to come back and live in my country. Dead or alive, I prefer to be with my family. Amid these tensions, international search teams continue to arrive to help with the search for either survivors or casualties. Sandra Polks from the Estonian Urban Search and Rescue Team says they remain hopeful but realistic. The thing with uh, search and rescue is the more time passes, the less uh, chance there is of finding someone alive. So th- this is the time where our mission has ended and the likelihood is low enough that we're going to gonna have to go back. The death toll from the earthquake now stands at above 46,000. International Ghanaian football player Christian Atsu has been added to that list of casualties, his body found in the ruins of his apartment building in Hatai, believed to be the luxury 12-storey Renaissance residence. The building's contractor has been arrested at Istanbul Airport as he apparently tried to flee the country for Montenegro. In a further tragic twist, a Syrian family of seven who survived the earthquake in the southeastern Turkish city of Nudagi has now been killed in a fire at their new house in Konya. For those who have survived, they're trying to go on. But for this couple, Mohammed and his wife, Mariam Al Khalil, it's not easy. I swear we are afraid. We're scared every single day. When my husband goes outside, I swear to God I can't stay home. Can you believe that? Deborah Grawick, SBS News.